Greetings, listeners, and welcome back to another Compelling Prison to Promise podcast episode. I'm your host, Dr. Craig Walidi, and today we have the privilege of delving into the extraordinary life of a social entrepreneur, spiritual abolitionist, statesman, and 2024 presidential candidate, Brother Andy Williams, Jr. Born in Aurora, Illinois, Andy's journey is a testament to the power of resilience and transformation. A departure from the conventional narrative, he faced the challenges of dropping out of high school and finding himself in the confines of the Illinois Department of Corrections. Yet, driven by an unwavering determination to rise above circumstances, Andy charted a path toward self-improvement. His quest for knowledge led him to Lewis University, where he earned a bachelor's degree in paralegal studies, demonstrating that even the most unconventional beginnings can lay the foundation for extraordinary accomplishments. July 1st, 2021, marked a pivotal moment in Andy's journey. Fueled by a deep commitment to justice, he filed a groundbreaking claim against the United States and 30 states. This legal action sought an injunction against the pervasive practice of low pay and unpaid prison labor. Not stopping there, Andy aimed for a judicial declaration challenging the exception for prison labor in the 13th Amendment's prohibition of slavery brothers heavy y'all no joke on july 3rd 2023 andy williams made a historic announcement he declared his presidential candidacy representing the we or the people party with a resounding message of unity hope and a commitment to restoring power to the people andy embarked on a mission to redefine political landscape. Today on Prison to Promise, we have the privilege of hearing directly from Andy Williams Jr. We'll explore his vision, the challenges he's faced, and the transformative message he brings to American politics. This is Dr. Craig Waleed, and you're tuned in to the Prison to Promise podcast. Join me as we uncover the extraordinary narrative of the good brother, Andy Williams Jr. Now let's go. You said, man, I'm born for this. So, Show. Yeah, right on. So since you born for this, we bought this, uh, let's just jump right in. Um, tell the listeners who you are, um, and uh, <clears throat> we'll go from there. I am Andy Williams Jr., 2024 presidential candidate. We started a We Are The People party because we are the people and we fed up with the current system. I was born in Aurora, Illinois. My parents separated when I was two. My stepmom uh, is German. Uh, we call them white people, Caucasian. I grew up in a two-parent household with my pops. 
Uh, I played the saxophone, the violin, had a piano in our crib, straight A student, uh, very disciplined, structured home. If you know anything about German people, it's it's very structured. Mm. And when her and my pop split up uh, when I was 12, I was able to go into the streets and and to her 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 defense. I was trying to get involved in the streets before she left, but when she seen I dyed the shoestring green with the uh, the uh, shoestring food coloring, she said, uh-uh, take that out. You know what I'm saying? Because she was the gatekeeper in the home, for real, because Pops had his own business. Okay, and cool. I often say, huh? And he was busy. Mm -hmm. Doing what he thought he needed to do based mm -hmm. on, you know, his upbringing. Mm -hmm. And I often say if my mom, my stepmom and Pops never would have separated, I would have been in the heels of Johnny Cochran, you know, just based on where, where I've evolved at today. Yeah. So once they separated, <clears throat> I got involved in gangs, um, started getting suspended from school. Um, and by the time ninth grade came around, I had flunked it. And mm. so from flunking it, going back to the homeroom class, I was embarrassed. Um, I just dropped out of high school and uh, started hanging in the streets, getting involved with snatching gold chains, stealing, stuff like that. Um, and I wound up going to uh, prison. You know, I, I got, got caught up on a, uh, snatching some girl's gold chain at school. Then the lieutenant of the police department's wife, her chain got snatched the same night. And they said it was me, which it wasn't. Mm -hmm. um, my homie come into uh, the county jail and, I, you know, I'm like nine months in and I, you know, we talking. He's like, man, I did that. I'm like, man, Ken ain't going to do no good in the joint. You know, and I just did a blind plea, got three years, did about four months in the Department of Corrections. And then I got out, paroled to my childhood home, which was a dope house. You know, mm -hmm. homies and got into the, you know, the powder cocaine. It's 90s. They said, man, you in a hot spot. Boom. I started slanging dope. Three months later, I'm locked in, locked up on a dope case. I got raided. I beat the dope case in a bench trial. And when I got out, I, um, and I was guilty. Ain't no question. Um, I got out. I went to the law library, started learning all about the dope game. <laughs> and then, then yeah. I just started selling hell of dope. Hmm. And it, uh, the blueprint under Larry Hoover's vision from, um, gangster disciple to growth and development is what turned me around. So I, I, you know, I was a, a, a regent, you know, in, in the city, and um, when I read that, you know, the, the blueprint, the literature. Hmm? What does that mean that you were a regent in the city? It's uh, at that time, the, the structure of the organization was was set up, you know, like you had a governor, region, coordinators, assistant coordinators. Uh, it was it was uh, structured. Mm -hmm. And I was like next to the governor, at, okay. in essence, and about to be the governor the way the streets was talking. Um. So what did that mean for you to be the governor? Like, what did you have to do or what were your responsibilities, et cetera? So really out in our town, Aurora, the structure really was like we coming together for sessions and meetings. And uh, based on my upbringing, I, will, I was, you know, more about an economic development platform, what I was doing. Mm -hmm. So the, the position was just, hey, we see you moving. And it's the position, you know, it was not no, um, at least not for how I, I was. I can't speak to other, you know, structures and what they was doing. I just know the our structure was way more laid back. And I was in the position based on, you know, 
the, the dope game I was in and the charisma I had from the way I was, you know, carried myself. Always, you know, confident in who I am. Just the way I was brought up is is put me in that position. So you were sharp coming up and probably had a little edge over many of the guys that you grew up around because of the structure that uh went into raising you. I would I would I would concur with that. I would. Yeah. So I was always a planner, you know, I thought two, three steps ahead of everything, you know. Um, so I applied the blueprint and walked away from the street, the, the, the negative part of the street life. Um, went to church, got ordained as a deacon, got married, bought a house, uh, got in the mortgage business. Um, and then the financial crisis hit, you know, and. I got put into a wrongful foreclosure. I fought that for 13 years. That took me into full-fledged community advocacy. Joined the NAACP. Um, became a vice president, the chairman of housing. Toured around the states, you know, when they would have our, our national conventions. And just was, you know, soaking up the information and knowledge. Um, but that foreclosure that, that I got put in, I learned so much about uh, federal proceedings and stuff like that, you know, because I started suing people <laughs> to all the banks, uh, understood, self-taught about the foreclosure crisis, um, what started it, the two uh, banks too big to fail, just learned a lot. And I wind up um, losing the foreclosure case because the house was really in my ex-wife's and dad's name, and I'm a junior. And we did it that way because one of the lenders I worked with, they wouldn't loan the money to me and they was giving me such a good deal. It's like, well, my dad just put it in his name. It's still Andy Williams. And when that came out with, uh, cause I did it all pro se. And then I got an attorney and when she found out it was a difference between junior and senior, she represented my dad, but the PTSD, which we call it legal abuse syndrome that happened fighting this case for 13 years it took a toll on my whole life. And even though, you know, you fighting every day, the trauma that is faced from white collar crimes, you can't see it. It's a silent injury. So, boom, I wind up getting a divorce. Yeah. Was you finna say something, Brother Craig? No, I just said, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like I'm digging it. Mm -hmm. you know, white collar crime, that trauma is invisible. People don't see it. People typically don't see trauma, but they might see it from more direct violence you know but mm -hmm. yeah it's white collar it's silent so i'm just right yeah. right wow and then um you know from from me and my wife getting divorced uh <clears throat> i stayed in the community um came up with an invention I, I created a teddy bear in the shape of a coffin got a patent on that so you know i'm still doing this entrepreneur thing yeah and you know, fast forward and then in, in, in uh, 2019, my friend did a mass shooting in Aurora. He was uh, the, the perpetrator. I, I, I like to keep it clean and say he led a slave revolt because the system, I mean, the uh, plantation he was working at had that spirit there from the 60s, you know. And so there was some personal things they was doing with the brother and his uh, money, uh, holiday pay back and forth for 15 years and he, he he just said he snapped so one day you know they was in there to discuss his 
termination of his employment and he shot uh, and killed five people wow. and shot six officers. Wow. That threw me back into the community because I had moved out of my hometown, Aurora. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I wind up doing a eulogy at his funeral, uh, working with the, you know, the police fundraisers because they, they had their own fundraiser. Six of their officers got shot. Right. I'm telling you, Brother Andy was super uncomfortable to go to this event because, you know, they didn't see me. <laughs> yeah, I can only imagine. And uh, I got a good reception from them, though, for real. Like they said, man, we appreciate what you're doing, you know, how you stood up and got involved in that because, you know, his family suffering, too. And I, I just thought that was phenomenal because um, I was very uncomfortable. And then from there, um, I had got so involved into the community that I forgot about my financial affairs at home. And then I felt like the spirit, you know, was nudging me like, hey, bro, you got to get some stuff together. And it was uh, May 3rd, 2019, 10 o'clock. I was on the computer and the spirit asked me, you know, would you run for president? I'm like, I right, bet, you know, cool. Like, I didn't think nothing of it. Not how can I this? Told my wife about it Monday, uh, that, that following Monday. And she said, you know, let her pray about it. So then I, I ran for president, no experience, um, got into the, the books, read about the Federal Election Commission, just, you know, moving with the spirit, wind up joining the Libertarian Party, did, you know, at least about 10 debates, one live debate. That's before COVID hit. And um, right after that, I get stopped on a traffic stop by the police for failing to use my signal 100 feet and failing to come to a complete stop the best thing they could have did to me man i've been fighting that case for four years and um it's gonna turn huge into into that so from from that traffic ticket the social unrest with george floyd i wind up filing a lawsuit against the police department calling them slave patrols i filed a suit against the united states and 30 other states for the ongoing role of slavery they said i didn't have standing and they dismissed it at the appellate court, uh, which I might keep chucking with it and go to the Supreme Court, but I might not. I, I you know, I still got a couple months to figure that out. Um, and then came around for this 2024 election. I was not considering doing anything like, you know, I'm tired of the government. You know, I don't want to be a part of this corporate system because there's a difference between a we the people and our sovereign state. And then the United States government, which is a corporation. Absolutely. And it's two ways. Yeah. Let me and ask I you, did, if I could, okay. before we get too far out. But one of what stood out to me, man, is especially, you know, your earlier story about being involved in the dope game. Like you came from this this house that was pretty stable and then it broke up and then you got into the dope game, got into the streets. Um, and then you transition. And so where did the influence for transitioning come and what caused you to transition from, from a D-boy to uh, a political candidate, a, a legal pundit, et cetera, et cetera? Like, how did you switch from that side to where you are now? And what encouraged that? It, it was... What I like to say in Jeremiah 29, 11, and it's, it's, it's a scripture for reference for me, for I know the plans that I have for you. Mm -hmm. And so this was 
what my assignment was to go through this journey. But if I take it back and say, you know, as a kid growing up, Jehovah Witness come to the crib, they got this my book of Bible stories. Mm -hmm. So I, I was always on punishment. Don't, don't, I listen, there was accountability in my house and I could only have the Bible. Mm -hmm. So the Bible, you know, that became my heroes. So I had a foundation that I had my own heroes. It wasn't like Superman and all that. Them weren't my heroes. It was Shadrach, Meshach, and a bad Negro, you know, Moses and that. And then <clears throat> coming into the blueprint from Gangster Disciple to Growth and Development of Larry Hoover, that blueprint saved my life. Like it, it really did because I applied what I had read. And so that foundation was already there I just had got off the course. And for those that that know about the blueprint, it talked about education, economics, politics, social development, that we are destroying our communities. And me, you know, inspired by, you know, this, this man, Larry Hoover, never meeting him one time, it showed me a different part of me. And see, I didn't grow up in the, the poverty in in the in the hood of that. I, so so that's something I I never knew personally because the brothers that I kicked it with, I didn't know there was a, a, a seriousness of lack there. I just say hey, that's how they live in here. You know, I I was naive to that because I had no experience. You know, with that. <laughs> and um, so that's what you know turned me around and seeing that blueprint. I just did a whole three sixty. But I had something to come back to. So I don't, you know, I, I'm not trying to make it seem like I did some spectacular turnaround. I think a lot of times when we say people are on the wrong path, no, that's the only path they ever knew. Right. You already had a path. You just got mm -hmm. off that. Most definitely. Okay. And then the blueprint kind of helped you remember your path and aided you a little bit. In, yeah. From further. Yeah. I think and from so a. I'm sorry. No, no, go no. ahead, brother. Okay. Well, I just want to know, like, from an earlier stage in your life, would you have been considered a GD? Or were those just people you were hanging out with? We we say guilty by association. So, you know, I'm hanging out with the fellas, you know, and, and I grew up, you know, with in the neighborhood with the Latin Kings and Deuces. Okay. So it was a whole thing. You know, my child, my grade school was, was Latin, Latin people. Right. Middle school was folks, but I still lived in the Latin neighborhood. Right. But here's all these brothers. Man, this this me. This is what I'm gravitating towards. Right. So I was in a crossfire, and I brought hella fire heat to the crib from shotguns being pulled on my pops and brother to our windows being busted out, yeah. you know, to me getting off the bus, sometimes having to run home because I'm living in their hood, childhood yeah. homies stealing on me. Like yeah. it was, you know, but, but it was me in a war oblivious to being in a war. Okay. All because you claim folk. Yeah. That's heavy, man. That's heavy. Did you ever find yourself facing prison time or serious injury? So I did. So when I got out of jail, when I went to prison the first time, I mean, the only time for, you know, it was a total of 13 months, but I did four months in the Department of Corrections. Okay. When I got out on that dope case, when I got out and got charged with that dope case, it was six to 30. Mm. And so I just found a way in a law library with a pass and, and, and beat that case. Um, when I was uh, prior to me being married the, the first time, um, my uh, my ex-wife's brother was was 
you know, heavy in the streets after I had already transitioned mentally growth mm -hmm. and development, but I still was selling dope. You know, I just didn't have a Malibu with the hydraulics in the streets all the time. Yeah. Well, he got murdered in front of my house. And then two days later, no, the next day they came back and I had got in a shootout with them. So that was the time, you know, like it was like Pac was like, yo, death around the corner. The bullet hole went through my bathrobe. And I just know it was, you know, for me, by the grace of God and from a spiritual grace of God, the ancestors, you know, not the religious part. I got to clarify that, yes, sir. that I was I was saved. You know what I'm saying? Like I was prevented from that for such a time as now where I consider us being the Joshua generation and we in the promised land and we get to, to learn from the Moses generation, meaning the sixties, you know, the, the Panthers, the hippies, uh, the young Lords, all that. We, we, we get to hear them and it's tangible and now we can create a new government, you know, as, as I would put it, like now it's a new government that's ran by the people and not the corporations. And as you mentioned, our country is really a corporation. So, yeah, it's really run on this economic profit based. Um, I don't know, perspective, I guess we want to call it. Right. You know, so, yeah, that's heavy, man. You know, um, a couple of things that are standing out to me and I'm just going to dig back into the past real quick and then we can move forward. But. It's not so much a question, but what stands out to me is just how, as you detailed some of the trauma, the physical trauma, the gunshot, losing your people, um, and how some of that preceded the change. You had already started making the psychological change, but then some of the ish started happening. It started getting real thick. Um, I just realized, or I, not just realized, but I'm realizing how there is a, a common um, thread amongst many of the people that I've interviewed on this platform, including myself, whereas once we are faced with some heavy burden or some heavy tragedy or something, uh, many times it encourages us to bend that corner all the way, you know, be it, you know, death around the corner, um, a gang full of time, seeing our people, our loved ones get lost, um, et cetera, et cetera. But that's what I'm hearing from you, you know, I had some heavy stuff going on in my life. Um, I was ready to change, but once some of the heaviness came, that just kind of pushed me around the corner. So I, I for a clarification point, uh, when I walked off the streets, I wasn't in nothing. Like, I mm. didn't have no drama. Like, I walked out at the end of 94. And um, in fact, when I walked out, um, I had two dope cases pending, and I was going to beat them. I had a public defender and a lawyer. And mm -hmm. I was going to beat these cases because I already had knew the game. Mm -hmm. And I had got a letter from the uh, elections commission telling me I needed to register my address to vote. Mm -hmm. And I'm what? You just sent the letter to me. And it triggered something in me. I think the ancestors was like, here y'all go again with this bull crap. Mm -hmm. And from that, a consciousness happening, a real awakening happening. And it contributed to the blueprint because there's a piece in there um that talks about a creative force but then the dope case i had i go into court and if anybody has known about the new jim crow by michelle alexander i told the judge this is what y'all doing in here this is slavery you sitting up there like you the plantation owner bro the whole courtroom quiet one of my lawyers face turned red um i'm dressed up looking like malcolm in this joker 
and they locked me up for six months in the mental health center. <laughs> and uh afraid. They thought uh -huh. something wrong. You wasn't afraid, so they probably thought something wrong with this dude. Yeah, and uh that was um that that I believe is the way I was saved in in a sense from what was happening with that war going on in the streets. Mm -hmm. But but I wasn't in the war, like physically in the war. I still was part of it, though. And I say that because I walked out from the streets. The streets didn't, I didn't have no pressure on me. I wasn't under no investigation. I ain't had no cats coming after me and none of that, you know. That's why I give, you know, the honor and respect to the chairman, Larry Hoover, yeah. because that blueprint is what inspired me. And I'm not ashamed of that. Like I, the same way we look at Malcolm X honoring Elijah Muhammad, that's the way I feel about, you know, uh, the Honorable Chairman Larry Hoover. Um, in fact, when I had went to the mental health center, I spoke about that, that I had a desire to, you know, to free him under a social cause. And this is the first time me publicly saying this, but two weeks ago, I, I wrote a letter of recommendation for his parole, you know, mm -hmm. and that, you know, you talking about 30 years later, some brother with a dream, and then now I'm in a position to put a pen to a paper to, you know, articulate the, uh, the impact that this blueprint had on my life without ever even talking to somebody, you know, so that that's the power into reading and applying what you read. Right. You have to apply it or it don't matter. Correct. Mm -hmm. Same way with the scriptures. You know, if you're going to read them, be them, you know, see yourself in the scriptures because that's, that's how I've, you know, found myself. Cause you know, you can hear all this trauma. I still had to heal from a lot of that. We ain't talking about the domestic violence cases that a brother done got, got put up on. You know what I'm saying? The infidelity and the things that I was doing based on not knowing who I am because there's no example, there's no model. But that didn't continue to be an excuse because then I had to become the model that I wanted to see. Once, once you become of age of reasoning, you know, then you can definitely start making those changes because now you are um, held accountable for recognizing your shortcomings. And it sounds like that's what happened to you. You took accountability. You recognized some of your shortcomings and you began working on it. And one of the things that stood out to me, I don't know if you realized the heaviness of it or listeners who will hear this realize the heaviness of it. It was a simple statement you said, which was, I began to heal, healing, you know? And I think that so many of us, particularly those of us who identify as men, specifically those of us who identify as black men, um, when it comes to healing and acknowledging our hurt and our pain, I think that that's where we come up short a lot of times, you know, right. and, we, and we don't want to present ourselves as, I don't know, damaged or harmed or potentially considered weak. And so we continue to front and hold on to all our pain without trying to address it. And I think that just causes more trauma in our lives and the lives of people who are connected with us in our communities. And so we never get to a place where we are supposed to be you know, we never get to 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 get to a place where we can express our full selves because we don't know ourselves yet. We have all this trauma on top of us, blocking our light, blocking us from growing, I guess, or being the best that we can be. Sort of like, and I'll close it on this, you know, the example is I like walking out in the forest a lot. And sometimes, you know, in the forest, there's all these big trees, all these big trees. But oftentimes you'll see smaller trees next to the big trees. They're waiting for the big tree to fall so they can get light, so they can grow. 
Sometimes the canopy above us, which is our trauma, our ish, our poverty, is so thick, so big, it's not letting in enough light for us to grow. And I'll leave it at that. Nah, that's that's heavy, man. Just so you know, when, when we make it to Washington, D.C., I'm going to mm-hmm. need you to be the in-house therapist, just so you know, bro. <laughs> bro, just call on me, bro. Just call on me. Yeah. yeah people, uh, for those of us who come from the bottom, those of us who've been in the penitentiaries, in the dope houses, you know, on the whole stroll, uh, behind the pistol, all of that. Um, because as we are illustrating in this conversation, we can do 180s. We can do 360s. And we can reclaim our greatness. And that's what I'm hearing you're doing. And so in our last uh, couple minutes together, brother, um, talk about your campaign a little more and talk about how people can support you. So our campaign is focused on the the one one goal of the campaign is to abolish slavery. And that was a lawsuit that I filed against the United States in 30 states. But on a holistic platform, it's a constitutional republic. And that's where it's uh, the people are sovereign. You know, like we're going back to an organic constitution where it's limited government. And then the uh, second platform is unalienable rights. The rights of the people are given to us by nature's God and a creator, not by the government. And we, the people need to understand that. And we don't, we just, we do not know. And January 6th is an example of people that believe their rights have been infringed and they were fed up. You know, that's, that's what that movement was about. And believe it or not, a lot of us who would understand civics feel the same way they do, but we just ain't going to do that. But, but if we knew them and we have relationships with them, cause I sit at tables with Republicans and, and conservative, we share the same ideology that the government is tyrannical and, and, and we're fed up. Mm-hmm. The third platform is government accountability. We don't have, uh, so judicial and prosecutorial misconduct is regulated. Immunity in itself is unconstitutional. And there's a case at the Supreme Court that's trying to hear about that. Because when you become an elected official, you you lose your sovereignty as the people and become a person. You're Mm -hmm. You're not sovereign no more, you're here to serve the people. So whenever you infringe upon the rights of the people, you entitled to a remedy. And that's when, when we talk about government accountability, I'm saying the, the, the judicial system is the tool for modern day slavery. And when we talk about the reparations, I'm not going back to the 13th Amendment. We can start right here at the 1960s. Because okay. whenever you lock somebody up for a victimless charge, mm-hmm. that is a violation of Article 3, Section 2 of the constitution because you've never suffered a concrete injury. That's mm-hmm. how they've legalized slavery and we can get restitution, meaning give us back our land, make our communities whole. But this is not something we're asking for. This is our rights because this campaign is all about our rights. The fourth platform is prison abolition. And in order to abolish the modern day prison complex situation, we bring in the Aboriginal teachings of restorative justice transformative justice so i'm not saying there's no accountability for because for the believers the lord does discipline those who we love Mm -hmm. and when you when when we're talking about abolishing prison we're going back to the limited role of government which is really to correct protect and direct that's that would be the limited role of government so you protect the rights of the people 
you direct the people to the resources if they're not there. And then you correct, you know, to help people get back on the right path. And that sometimes means, you know, reformatory, reformatory school for the juveniles and correctional facilities for the adults with the whole goal of reformation, rehabilitation and that. So there is a role of government. And then I the like fifth. If I could just uh -huh. jump real quick, that piece, because, you know, I'm formerly incarcerated and this podcast is focused and aimed at people who are incarcerated with carceral issues. And, you know, you talk about corrections and juvenile facilities and the whole purpose should be to correct. And we know already these correctional facilities do nothing like that. They only correct. destroy people. They only make people worse. I just wanted to point that out. So if that system can be overhauled, that would be wonderful. It, it can. So I, I don't want to cut you off anymore. No, no, no. So and the, the last point is um, made in America. It's economic empowerment. So we can't ask the government to resurrect Black Wall Street when it was people hiding behind the government that destroyed Black Wall Street. Mm -hmm. And if we take the 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 cannabis, the hemp stalks, because mm -hmm. what back in the 1800s, hemp was a form of currency. So we mm -hmm. get to do that now. Henry Ford um, allegedly was the first person to make a, a vehicle out of hemp. Um, in Canada, there's a plane made out of hemp. Uh, there was uh, paper, clothing, steel, bulletproof vest, uh, toothpaste, soap. So much right. is made out of hemp. Mm -hmm. And so we take the model of of, of that, which we resurrect that, because now that's how we get our uh, reparations for the uh, war on people disguised as a war on drugs. And we rebuild our communities, but we're not asking quote unquote, the government to give us some fiat money. We're right. saying we have the ability to use our right to an occupation to farm again because you can't legislate, you cannot license farming because right. next thing you know, you're going to be licensing roses. And so that's All us right. not knowing our, our our role. And then we take the model from Van Jones in the blue, uh, blue collar, no, the green collar economy. That's his book, Van Jones, the green collar economy. Okay. And he lays it all out. Solar mm. panels, it's Chirp out in Silicon Valley that's doing that. Right. Um, Moving towards this green economy now. Right. And so that's how we bring green collar jobs to, you know, replace with the um, blue collar jobs. But it's to make us whole, which comes back to nature's God. And so now we're no longer living in a state of survival. We're living and that is the vision that I have for our platform. And since we've created a We Are The People Party, we are not saying elect us to get this done. We're saying we're doing it now. So if you are in um, North Carolina or, or where you at, Dr. Craig, and you need a tangible brother to be your therapist to deal with your post-traumatic prison syndrome or post-traumatic slave syndrome and to help you renew your mind, that's not something we can vote on or Dr. Joy DeGroy with her book, Post-Traumatic Slave Syndrome or NAMI that deals with this or the aboriginals that deal with healing the way that they do with their healing circles and peace circles and stuff. So this is me, a brother that's coming to you as a holistic brother, not mm -hmm. a brother saying this is for our people. No, this is for the people. And if my people at Second Chronicles 7.14 would turn from their wicked ways, so I'm saying we the people have the power. 
we have the power to form a new government and we have the power to turn from our own wicked ways. Absolutely. I, so we is no longer blaming nobody. We're a generation of reckoning with ourselves and saying we can run for Congress. Makes me think of Da's effects back in the day. Chickity check yourself before you riggedy wreck yourself. You know, so I mean, yeah, that's we dope. have to check ourselves, you know. Right. I like that. You you gonna I'm gonna bring that back. You know, I sit on a board with Curtis Blow's United Coalition for Humanities, and I'm the ambassador for the state of Illinois for that organization. And so, you know, it instant got got my foot in the door essentially with that hip hop, you know, yeah. community. Yeah. And um it's a lot more that that goes on with this brotherhood candidate than people would even begin to know yeah. because I've organized all of this into, you know, uh categories on how I'm reaching the people. And um I connected with this group called Tactical Civics. Yeah. It's a uh, Republican primarily based organization. Mm -hmm. And they charge $5 a month or $50 a year. And they give you all this training Monday through Friday. I mean, the system is cold blooded. Online training. Mm -hmm. No, they, you get on zoom calls, you know, all throughout the day. Boom. Zoom. Yeah, mm -hmm. virtual. And so what I learned from them is, is the point I'm saying is, they talk about the right to panel a grand jury and that's the right the people have. And then that's you bring in the militia to ensure that this grand jury is protected. This is secret. We, the people can do that. We don't, this is what a prosecutor and a judge got to leave right. because we bringing them up on charges and see that's taking the, that's us, the people utilizing the power we have, to create this new government that is really nothing new. It's the way it was intended to be. Right on. And that's what we get to do. Because for me, the only thing new is I'm in this generation that did a lot of research and reading, and I'm bringing us back to be aware of stuff we didn't know, but some people do know. People and the suffer. real... Div oh. Wait, what do you say, Dr. C? People suffer because they don't know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's all. That's all over. Yeah. In the four it's, minutes, we're down to four I'm minutes. I'm seeing it. Um, yeah, I'm seeing it. Uh, so before we go, I want you to let folks know how they can reach you. If there's anything out that you have that they can purchase or peruse, let folks know that before we get out of here. My website is uh, awj2024.com. So awj Andy William Jr. 2024.com. All social media around my name it says Hood Candidate. So it's you know, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, it's all the hood candidate. The most important thing I need right now is to spread the word. So that's mm -hmm. that's the biggest thing to say, listen, it is a brother that is that has it together. He's not just some, you know, some brother off the wall saying I'm running for president on some old fluke. No, 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 that ain't what I'm on. So you 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 get to hear that. So when you share the word, there's other people that have podcasts. There's other people that are journalists, has community newspapers. Hit me up on the website, you know, grab the email because I'm not 100% sure my little intake box is working yet. We're trying to work that out for the last week and a half. But shoot me an email at andy at awj2024.com. Connect me with them because this is a people-powered movement. 
and we think it takes millions of dollars. No, it just takes a messenger with the right message. Because if you know historically Yahshua and them 12 disciples, and brother had no internet, they weren't talking about no money, they were walking on some donkey, I mean, walking in sandals and riding donkeys. And that message is still relevant today. So we can't make that excuse right other than saying that we can do this just powered within our people. And that's what I need the most. That's that. If we could just share the message. Now, those that say, look, I'm going to get his brother $100, $200, hit that up on the site too, because that donation box is working. Mm -hmm. um, and I share that because the last three months, I, I paint. Like, you know, I do the painting to support myself. And I just now started to charge for the litigation work I do because I done freed some brothers from prison. You know, mm -hmm. I done sued the government. Like this, I'm cold with the paperwork. It's a, it's a gift with that. But I never charged the people because I was thinking from a poverty mindset. And the only one that was going back into poverty was me. <laughs> That's who was, you know. So I you switched it up. Groceries. You got to buy groceries. Yeah. So so I'm not, you don't have to necessarily give a donation in the sense that I'm here to work on your behalf. But you can find me at Andy at AWJ2024.com. Right on, brother. And with that, brother, we're going to call it a wrap as we wind it down. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your insights, brother. Thank you, brother Craig. Right on. Right. So, with our last minute, um, I'm going to ask you. I don't. I don't think you sent me a, a headshot. If you could send me maybe a headshot and a, a micro bio, something really short, maybe a paragraph or something, I can use to um, advertise our discussion. Right now, I okay. got about four or five podcasts ahead of this waiting to come out. I've been doing them every other week, but I think I'm about to drop these last ones every week because we're coming up on the end of the year. I want to get them all in. So gotcha. maybe about five or six weeks, yours will drop. I still got to just do some little editing. So we okay. got some. Brother, it's been a pleasure. You too. I'll send it over right now. Okay. All right. Thank you so all much, right. brother. Thanks, brother. See, peace. Thank you, brother. Peace. Yeah. If you or someone you know would like to share their story on this podcast, or if you'd like to leave a comment or suggestion, please drop me a line using lowercase letters at D-R-C-R-A-I-G-W-A-L-E-E-D at gmail.com. That is Dr. Craig Walid at gmail.com. Thank you so much, and I look forward to hearing from you. Peace.